the Oakdale Christian Centre podcast. In this episode, Dave leads a study into First Things First. The main reading is 2 Chronicles, chapter 29. I wanted to um, uh, look at this really because it's so important. The first day of the first month of the first year, what was Hezekiah going to do? Of course, we need a bit of background because um, we need to see his, his father, see what he was like, and to see where he had taken the nation and he'd taken them far from the Lord. Um, so straight away we can see, thankfully, that it doesn't matter what our, our heritage is, bless the Lord. God can take hold of somebody and change that heritage, can't he? His father, as we've seen in a minute, was an absolute, you know, godless man. He went further and further, even though he had some great uh, encouragement, even he had great prophets. Isaiah was there with him, encouraging him, speaking into his life, yet he would not listen uh, to him. So what we, we see, let's get to, get to the point uh, of Hezekiah's reign. Let's see where, where they were as a nation. Ahaz was king. Bible said his, his father was not a bad king, pretty good king, Jotham. But Ahaz went further and further away. Uh, it started with unbelief and fear, and that's always a, a, a place to start, unless we run to the Lord. And he, he began to rely upon people, rely upon men, and we'll see where, where that took him. Didn't help him at all. Um, so let's read 2 Kings 16, uh, 10 to 18. That's where we'll find a little bit of uh, the background. And King Ahaz went to Damascus to meet Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, and saw an altar that was at Damascus. And King Ahaz sent to Uriah the priest the fashion of the altar and the pattern of it according to all the workmanship thereof. And Uriah the priest built an altar according to all that King Ahaz had sent from Damascus. So Uriah the priest made it against King Ahaz came from Damascus. And when when the king was come from Damascus, the king saw the altar, and the king approached to the altar and offered thereon. And he burned his offering and his meat offering and poured his drink offering and sprinkled the blood of his peace offerings upon the altar. And he brought also the brazen altar, which was before the Lord, from the forefront of the house from between the altar and the house of the Lord, and put it on the north side of the altar. And King Ahaz commanded Uriah the priest, saying, Upon the great altar burn the morning burnt offering, and the evening meat offering, and the king's burnt sacrifice, and his meat offering, with the burnt offering of all the people of the land, and their meat offering, and their drink offerings, and sprinkle upon it all the blood of the burnt offering, and all the blood of the sacrifice and the brazen altar shall be for me to inquire by. Thus did Uriah the priest, according to all that King Ahaz commanded. The King Ahaz cut off the borders of the bases and removed the laver from off them, and took down the sea from off the brazen oxen that were under it, and put it upon a pavement of stones, and the covered for the Sabbath that they had built in the house, and the king's entry without turned he from the house of the Lord for the king of Assyria. 
you, you've just got a little break that down a little bit to see where Ahaz is going. And you can see it, and we looked at it in the Revelation churches, how we can easily get, what happens, we dilute worship. And we become man-made in worship. And we, we, we want a bit of religion. Because remember, he didn't get rid of the bronze altar, did he? He just pushed it aside. Mm. But he wanted a bit of, of, of Damascus. And you think, why? Because he, mm. he thought they, they, that was the gods. And so there was a mix and match of, of, of worship. And, but it was a dilution from what God had, started, had said. And what happens, it gets diluted. And then we depart. There's distortion. And ultimately, we'll see in a moment, there's a total departing uh, from worship and open to de- total deception then. And you see, we've got to be careful because ultimately we can... See, they weren't irreligious. People don't become irreligious. Is this a religion of their own making? And, um, and we've got to be careful even in church. We don't have something of our own making, something that we like. No, some of us like to be quiet. But God says, get up and shout to worship, didn't he? Didn't he? Then sometimes he says, no, be quiet, Dave. But see, just because we, we've got to be careful. We don't, nothing man-made and dilution of what, and that's what Ahaz did. And it started really when he was getting attacked by Israel and Aram. They came down and um, uh, they gave him hiding. Um, 120,000 gone. In that battle, he lost his son and the head of the army. Um, and in that, but you see the mercy of God because in that particular battle, Israel took 200,000 people back, women and children, they were going to make them slaves. And as they were coming back, a prophet, Obed, uh, came out and said, what do you think you're doing to the Israelites? They are your brothers. Now, now, you know, you've beat them in a war. Don't you dare take them, take them captive and make them, make them slaves. Send them back. Um, See, that the mercy of the Lord speaking into Ayaz's life. That even though he didn't trust me, I still can, can oversee it. But he didn't, he didn't. And Isaiah 7, we looked a bit of Isaiah 7, which is where we get that amazing prophetic word that the virgin would give birth and he'd be called Emmanuel. That context is Isaiah talking to Ayaz saying, do not be afraid, do not worry, I'm in control. And even at that time, the Bible says in the first one, verse one or two of Isaiah 7, he was holding back Israel and Aram. His his hand was, you know, it's amazing that when we get to heaven, we'll see how much the Lord has protected us from personally, of course, especially with some of our driving. Um, But as a nation, as a nation, see, but there's a time where the Lord, the Bible says he withdraws his hand of protection and uh, if he ever does that, and he could do it, and we would be, you know, we couldn't say anything about the Lord to the Lord because we've rebelled against him. We would be just inundated with, you think it's bad now, the enemy would run amok, or run amok, even. Um, so there's, there's Ahaz, and he wouldn't trust the Lord, he didn't, he, even when, remember Isaiah said to him, look, ask me for a sign. He Stephen goes to the say, ask me for the Oh, be audacious, don't care what it is, ask me. And the, and, the, and the double talk. Now, he sounded religious, and sometimes we can, but our heart betray us, isn't it, eventually? We've got to be careful our words, and we've said it before. Many people say, oh, this is the will of the Lord. Careful now. Oh, it, what are you trying to say is, this is my will, but I'm going to say it's the will of the Lord. And what he said, he, he said, I will not ask the Lord for anything. You know why? He's already made his mind up. The Bible says he stripped the temple and he, he purchased 
uh, um, help of uh, the Assyrian king. And as we'll read in a moment, it didn't help him one iota. Didn't help him one iota. 2 Chronicles 28, 1925. The Lord brought Job alone because of Ahaz, king of Israel, for he made Judah naked and transgressed sore against the Lord. Until Gath built Tomeza, king of Assyria, came unto him and distressed him, but strengthened him not. For Ahaz took away a portion out of the house of the Lord and out of the house of the king and of the princes and gave it to the king of Assyria, but he helped him not. And in the time of his distress did he trespass yet more against the Lord. This is that king Ahaz. For he sacrificed unto the gods of Damascus, which smote him. And he said, Because the gods of the kings of Syria helped them, therefore will I sacrifice to them, and they may help me. But they were the ruin of him and of all Israel. And Ahaz gathered together the vessels of the house of God, and cut in pieces the vessels of the house of God, and shut up the doors of the house of the Lord. And he made them altars every, in every corner of Jerusalem, and in every uh, several city of Judah he made high places to burn incense and to other gods, and provoked to anger the Lord God of his fathers. So we see the progression. And that's why in the Church of Revelation, God is severe with them, isn't he? Do not compromise with the jolly world. Do not compromise. Do not think you can have a little bit of this and a little bit of that because what will happen, we see it right through history and thankfully the Bible is very clear. Ahaz here, dilution, departure. And now he's, he's open to total deception. Now he's, he's sacrificing to other gods. And then the, the, to make it worse, he shuts the doors of the temple. Remember, they're not going to become irreligious, are they? Because he's, now he's going to put high, uh, altars all around Jerusalem so you can, you can worship as you want, to who you want. And that's where we are in, in, in our world. Um, and we've got to be careful again in the church. There's still only one way. <laughs> Jesus is still the only way. And his word is still the only word. Sometimes we don't like what it says. Sometimes we don't agree with what it says. But it still says what it says. And we've got to go with it and bow the knee to it. Um, and we've got to be careful that we don't look anywhere else but to the Lord. Let's read some uh, verses. Again, Ahaz knew these verses because they were psalms and they sang the psalms. So they probably knew the psalms off by heart because they would have sung these regularly. What? Psalm 146, 3 to 6. I ain't going to sing it, but... <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> hey, we're the Church of England. Now they do not on chanting, aren't you? So they should do. It's, good. It's, it's a good thing to sing the psalms. You don't forget them. It's like the opera. <laughs> <laughs> do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When the spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those who help, help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. Oh, what a great verse. Do not trust in man or princes, not just men, leaders. They, will, they can't help you. They certainly can't save you. And Ahaz did not listen to God's word. And of course, at the end, it was the ruin of him, the Bible just said. The ruin of him. Again, other Psalms, better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. The Lord is the one who gives us help from trouble. The help of man is vanity. Doesn't help at all. Even Moses uh, said in, in Deuteronomy 31, Be strong, be courageous, fear not or tremble at them, for the Lord your God is with you. Uh, who goes out with you and he will never fail he will never forsake you trust in him and uh, 
when we trust in anything else but the Lord, now we, of course, we, we, we're a body and we are a bill of fellowship and we help each other, but ultimately, you can't put your full trust in, in me or you because we're going to fail you, aren't we? Mm-hmm. I will fail you. It's hard to say. You see, Dave, you can't. You're perfect. <laughs> Nearly. <laughs> but that's why we look to the Lord, isn't it? But we encourage each other to look to him, don't we? we that's where we come together. Come on, mm. come on. We encourage each other and we can help each other. But ultimately our help is from him. And we pour out our heart to him and him alone. Um, and the Bible, of course, that's the Old Testament. The Bible is very clear about our compromise again with this world. Uh, 2 Corinthians six, fourteen, and then verse 1 of chapter 7 as well. Warning against idolatry. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, or what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship and light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and the Lord? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, affecting holiness out of reverence for God. Mm. Yeah, very clear, isn't it? Purity, holiness, sanctification, make sure nothing infiltrates. Isn't it amazing? Um, uh, I just, just thinking early on about uh, someone I know, brother in the Lord, and just remember him saying something, thinking, it's probably not the right thing to say that. It was just loose talk, isn't it? And uh, it just betrays our heart again. Um, and uh, that's why he says, now be very careful. And we've challenged each other before, haven't we? There are things we watched today that 10 years ago we would have turned off. And, uh, you know, we've got to be honest and saying, well, that's probably true, actually. You know, at the first mention of, of the Lord's name, or certainly Jesus Christ, off it would have gone. But now we let him go twice and three times and four times. Look, yeah. and of course what happens, we get lured into a whatever program or whatever the series, and, and we, we continue to watch it. And that contaminates us, because what it does, instead of elevating the name of Jesus, it, it just diminishes it a bit, doesn't it? And we're not shocked you're not in awe of him. And uh, so he said, be careful. He said, that what happened, and, and uh, Ahaz, we see the end result of it. There's where we are. Israel now, the, the temple is shut. Everything that should be going on in the temple of worship and adoration and communion with the Lord is gone. And that's where, that's where Hezekiah comes in. And whether Hezekiah was co-regent, maybe, possibly, you know, as they did then, because one got ill, remember, and they, they sort of co-regented until he come in, in, and his father died. But Either way, the Bible says on the first day of the first month of the first year, what did you do? Get them open. Let's get back to where we should be. See, ultimately, the Bible says, now we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we can be closed off to the Lord, can't we? 
Uh, certainly when we're not saved, we applause. We, we're not open to the Lord. But you know what? Even as Christians, we, we've allowed things to mutter on and we our relationship, our fellowship with him is minimal, is probably non-existent sometimes, isn't it? But the Bible says the first thing he did, now he's, Lord, open the doors and make sure those doors stayed open. Remember he said we opened the doors and he repaired the doors. Um, uh, and so they, they were sturdy, they were, they were, they were made sure that re, that, uh, that was going to be a, a continual thing. But let's see what kind of man Ezekiah was. That's an interesting thing, to see why he did this. And as we said before, there may be a few things that cropped up in his life. He, remember he saw his brother die um, in that war, but he also saw some of his other brothers, maybe not, maybe half-brothers or whatever, sacrificed. Now, this is how far he has gone. He'd sacrificed some of his sons in the fire. And as we said on Sunday, now we think, God, what are you talking about, Dave? But isn't it amazing how many people sacrifice their, their children to, to uh, the world or to uh, this or to that? Or, uh, it's, you know, we can't save our kids. I wish we could. But we've got to show them, haven't we? Going to show them and, and, and point them in the direction. But as a nation, we have sacrificed our kids. We, are, we have taught them uh, evolution. You know, you, you, so that means you've got no meaning, value, or purpose, mm. no identity. Now we tell them, well, the matter, you can be anything you want. Yeah. So, so we have, we have we, that's, mm. you know, in one sense, we're killing them the longer way around. Mm. We're killing their. The, the ability to see the Lord or to, to perceive the Lord and, and to be who God created him to be, male or female or whatever, uh, and to be known by him and to be with him. So, you know, when we look at that, we think, oh, that's terrible. But let me just say, mm-hmm. we as a name, be careful as, as, as people of God as well to uphold them and, and to point them in direction. Of course, most of our kids are grown up now, but even so, um, we're still pointing them in direction and showing them anyway. Um, let's see what uh, Hezekiah was like. 2, uh, two Kings 18, 1 to 8. Third year of Hosea, son of Elah, son of Israel, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asher poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made, for up to that time the Israelites had burned incense to it. It was called Nehushtan. I trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no alike among the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not cease to follow him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses, and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. From Watchtower to 45 City, he defeated the Philistines as far as Gaza and his territory. Bless the Lord. He did what was right. Interesting. Who does he link him to? His father? Not Ahaz, not even his father Jotham, his father David. Ah, interesting how he links him back to, to that person who was a man after God's own heart. He removed, 
bless the Lord, there are things to be removed in our lives, isn't it? And in the temple, it had to be cleaned out and things had to be squared up. And uh, we'll have a look at some of the things that are polluted. But he, he removed things. Sometimes those are difficult because if they are deep-seated and deep-rooted, they're going to be painful sometimes. They're going to be painful to root up. Issues, difficulties, our character. Some of us have got those character flaws that wend their way in and we do things this way. We got to, is the old, old word, our idiosyncrasies. Some of those are, are wrong. We got to get from there. And it needs to be rooted up. But he removed them. Remember those sacred, and his altars and sacred stones have been there a while, some of them. Um, so much so, the Bible says, even that bronze serpent. I just looked up before I came out. When was that? It was Numbers 21, which is probably around about 1500 BC. Now, Hezekiah is here now in about 700 odd BC. Mm-hmm. So we have over 700 years of that bronze serpent, which was only for a particular time, for a particular purpose, being used to be worshipped. Crazy. Mm-hmm. But we are like that. Uh, our nature is like we worship things we can see that's worked in the past <laughs> was for a specific purpose instead of worshipping the Lord the, Romans 1 says we worship the created things and not the creator and that's again our, our, our check is this sometimes we want the gifts of the spirit blessed what we need we want to be gifted by the Lord absolutely but ultimately I'm caught up with the giver not the gifts and we all again we're careful because that old prideful nature oh look at me oh I can do this and I've done that I've you know no it's the giver isn't it and uh, so that's where they were and but that's how deep rooted it was but that's how deep rooted and deep seated that Hezekiah was he was going to root it out branch and root out it was coming and he relied upon the Lord the Bible says he kept listening to the Lord and then out of it came rest restoration he prospered, he defeated the enemy, and he pressed back. Bless the Lord. Why? Because he was a man of the word. Proverbs 25, verse 1. These are, um, these are more Proverbs of Solomon, compiled by the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah. So again, if you read that quickly, you'd have missed it, wouldn't you? You could be reading Proverbs and you wouldn't have noticed that. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, compiled by the men of Hezekiah. Hezekiah made sure that the word of God was written and compiled so they would know. So he was a man of the word. He loved God and he made sure that the people coming behind him had the word. Um, So that's why he did the first thing. The first thing, why? Because he was a man of the word. But he's also a man of prayer. Um, 2 Chronicles 30, 2 Chronicles 30, 18 to 20. But a multitude of the people, many from Ephraim, Massasal, Ishtar, and Zebulun, had not cleansed themselves. Yet they ate the Passover, contrary to what was written. But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, May the good Lord provide atonement for everyone who prepares his heart to seek God the Lord God of his fathers. Though he is not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary, and the Lord listened to Ezekiah and healed the people. So Ezekiah prayed. 
He said, no, these people had come, because remember, he, he didn't just set up the temple, he, he wanted the whole of the nation to come back to the Lord. So he said, we haven't done Passover. And he sent out, the Bible says, he sent out to the, the, not just Judah, right up into Israel. Come back, and the Bible says many of them laughed him to scorn, or laughed at the, the messengers. But some did come, some whose heart was moved, and Judah, the Bible says, their heart was moved. And they came back to worship, and of course, in their hurry to come back, some of them hadn't really purified themselves. And, and uh, they were going to be in trouble. But he went before the Lord and said, Lord, just, you know, obviously they weren't clean, but look at their hearts. Their hearts were inclined to seek you. The Bible says he heard Hezekiah's prayer. And if you go on into Hezekiah's life, um, Hezekiah had to learn. Um, remember, initially he, he, he was supplying the Assyrians with money. And uh, until it came to a point where look, that was not enough. Assyria wanted everything. Mm. And he said, well, you're not having everything, and we're going to take our stand now. And the Bible says a Syrian came and said, right, we're going to wipe you out. All the, we've just, and they, remember, they, they'd swept through it to Israel from the east, and they swept people aside, and they were, they were vicious, absolutely vicious. There was no uh, compassion there. And uh, the Bible says Hezekiah went before the Lord. And there seems to be a bit of a, a hiatus and they go away and they come back or they send a letter and the Bible says Hezekiah goes before the Lord, he gets the letter and he spreads it out before the Lord. <laughs> he was a man of prayer. He was the man who realised he needed the Lord. Uh, again, Hezekiah was had a great, he listened to Isaiah. And if you remember, Isaiah said, look, this temple is a house of prayer. House of prayer for the nations. This is the place where people come and commune and meet with the Lord. He said, uh, and that influenced him. He opened the doors and he was a man of the word and of prayer. That's why the first thing he did is clean up the temple. And of course, um, that's what the Lord did. That's what the Lord did. Again, nothing's new under the sun, is it? There are things that crop up that pollute the temple. What pollutes the temple? Well, <coughs> lots of things, but there are specific things in the Old Testament that crop up again in our lives. First one, Jeremiah 7 verse 30. I think that's you, Josh. Um, uh, this, is, this is Jeremiah saying, what has what is, uh, clogged up the temple or polluted the temple? The people of Judah have done evil in my eyes, declares the Lord. They have set up their detestable idols in the house that bears my name and have defiled it. So what defiles the temple? Now, when we're talking about the, this might term, me, 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 me. I'm the temple of the Lord. We are the temple of the Lord. What defiled me? Idols. What is an idol? Something that takes the Lord's place. Something we give to it, which we should give to the Lord. Whether it be our time, our talents, our tithe, everything. All is his. And uh, that's why when we talk about first, the Lord is first. We say, Dave, no, this is the Lord's word. Seek first the kingdom. That's it. That's the Lord's final word. First commandment, love him with all your heart. That's his, his word. And, and of course, the, the, uh, the economy of the Lord is, is first, isn't it? Firstborn, um, uh, first uh, fruits, first crops, the first day of the week. Of course, that's where we are. Um, the first, first love, you've left your first love. And uh, that's the economy of the Lord, seeking first the Lord. Um, and then anything which takes its place, or any body who takes its place, the Bible is, or any idea, because of course in the Old Testament it was physical, something that you could see and tangible, and, and we think how stupid. 
but it's an amazing and what we put in, in, in as idols don't we it's just as tangible sometimes but not so much mm-hmm. in the New Testament it's, it's, it starts off with an idea mm-hmm. the Bible says it's a, it's a fancy it's a thought it's where our heart goes and if we don't grab a hold of it we, we are, we're wandering down the road and our mind is in it elsewhere and we're wanting this and we're distracted with this and that's why he said take your thoughts captive he said, you've got to be very ruthless with yourself. Why? Because we know, I know, that just if I'm wandering around, I can be distracted. Oh, look at that, I fancy that. And this is it. Easily. And the Lord, that's why the Lord says, keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep your eyes on me and, and be ruthless. If there's anything that takes my place or takes the place of the Lord, get it from there. Shoot it. Uh, burn it. And uh, of course, he goes down to the, the, here he goes down to the Kidron Valley which is very interesting because that's the place where there was a continual bonfire uh, and where the Lord um, uh, uses it as an example as well. So, idols, that which takes the Lord's place. Oh, Lord, help us. doesn't matter who it is, no matter what it is. Seek first the kingdom. That which is foreign to the Lord. Um, Ezekiel 44, verse 6 to 9. Say to rebellious Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Enough of your detestable practices, people of Israel. In addition to all your other detestable practices, you brought foreigners and circumcised in heart and flesh into my sanctuary, desecrated my temple while you offered me food, fat and blood, and you broke my covenant. Instead of carrying out your duty in regard to my holy things, you put others in charge of my sanctuary. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. No foreigner uncircumcised in heart and flesh is to enter my sanctuary, not even the foreigners who live among the Israelites. What is foreign to the Lord mm-hmm. pollutes this temple. That's why we need to know his word. Um, but also, the, actually I was reading that today, I was thinking that's interesting, that you know we've got to be careful that we do not, we fulfill our calling and what God has asked us to do and to be. Because he says there, now, uh, instead of doing what you were told to do, be in the temple, Levites, you've got anybody in to do that job which should have been done by you. So we've got to fulfill our calling. That which is foreign to the Lord, foreign to his word, that of the world, flesh and the devil, of course, all those things, foreign to the Lord. What is foreign to the Lord? Um, and again, that's why we, we, we are careful what we watch, read, listen to and all those kind of things. That's not foreign to the Lord, foreign to his word, and, and, and holds to the standard of God's word. That which is foreign, he says, will pollute the land. I love Nehemiah because <laughs> Nehemiah didn't take any messing. <laughs> um, he, the Bible says he goes away, he's so going to go back to the king, and he comes back. And when he comes back, it, things are not what they should be. Um, they still they sell in on on, on the Sabbath, and the, the, the people of some of the children are not learned the language, and they say, and, he, and the Bible says he grabs all of some and he gives them a good you know shaking. <laughs> but the worst thing was that Tobiah, who was the enemy, who had tried to stop them build. The Bible says that the priest gave him a room in the temple because they were friends. There was some. Uh, goings on and uh, maybe there were some relatives going on and, and nepotism is the old word isn't it got to be very careful there and uh, he said what on earth he said that room is for worship and you've given it to him to keep his stuff in there 
And uh, now, now he didn't he didn't come up to Sabaya and have a little chat to him. He got all of this stuff and flung it out, flung it out, chucked it out. And uh, sometimes we can be a little bit um, soft with our our sins, can't we? Now with other people, I'm pretty strict. God, look at them! How dare they do that? But me, ah, oh, now I got. I got, you do know, with the circumstances, Dave, I got this, you know, and this happened, and, and Jackie was on my back, and, and the kids were plaguing me, and, and all the excuses for ourselves, but the Bible says, be ruthless with yourself. First, what do you remember we talked about first? First, take out the log from your own eye, then expect from, first deal with me. So that which is um, foreign, get it out, don't ne- de- negotiate, don't debate, chuck it out. The Bible says, Nehemiah, threw everything out of that place which they shouldn't have had. How about this one? Uh, ooh, might not be able to find this one. Zephaniah. Ooh, where's that one to? Zephaniah, right in the back there. Zephaniah 3. The future of Jerusalem. Woe to the city of oppressors, rebellious and defiled. She obeys no one. She accepts no correction. She does not trust in the Lord. She does not draw near to her God. Her officials are roaring lions. Her rulers are evil evening wolves who leave nothing for the morning. Her prophets are arrogant. They are treacherous men. Her priests profane the sanctuary and do violence to the law. Wow. Ultimately, the Bible says, they pollute the temple because they do violence to my law. They do not treat the word of the Lord as it is. Doesn't that sound familiar? They, 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 they treat it as they think they should be. They shake it off. They wrongfully imagine what it should say, what we wanted to say. And when we do that, it pollutes the temple. Um, and we can do that for ourselves, can't we? Because God will challenge us. Dave, what about, what about that in your life? What about, what about stretching yourself there? What about, you know, whatever it is, let's go tithing. Dave, what are you tithing? Why aren't you doing that? And, that, and, and somebody would say, well, Dave, that's not really... Instead of saying, well, that's the Lord and we're going to treat God's word as it, as it stands. And we're going to stretch ourselves and, and put God's word in place. Now, he does that little by little and, and issue by issue sometimes, but God's word is, is final and authoritative. And if we, if we deal with it in the other way, the Bible says we do violence to the law. And as we just read there in Zemini, they don't listen, they don't worship, they do what they want, and far, far away they went. Um, and Jesus was really strict with this because he, he saw the temple. The Bible, you find it in all the Gospels, which is always interesting. If you've got something in all the Gospels, even in John, he's trying to tell us something. And he goes to the temple. Depending which one you read, the night, well, because he'd been to the temple many times, he used to go even when the last three years he, 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 was, he was around that area um, when he started ministering. But he would go there regularly because he was a good Jew, at least once a year, if not three times a year. Um, and he, every time he would go, he would see the temple and he would see the state it was in. He would see the corruption, he would see the, the mess, the filth, the animal mess, and, and he would see what it should have been was a house of prayer for all nations. For everyone to come and meet with the Lord, it was a place where the people were getting ripped off. It was a marketplace, and it was filthy. And the Bible says it made him angry. Yeah. Oh, it made him angry. So, so anger, we can see, let's see what he did. And uh, depending on which one we read, he, it's, it's pretty uh, vivid. And Mark 11, Mark 11, 15, 17. 
So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught them, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for mm. all nations? But you have made it a den of thieves. Very, it's a, it was a thoroughfare. Instead of being a, a place where people actually met with the Lord, the sacrifices were done properly and uh, in response to their sin and their worship to the Lord. And it was just, a, it was a mess. But when Jesus went in the Bible, the word is catastrophe. He, he, did, he, did, he didn't mess about. Kicked everything. Made him stop it. And that made him angry. And we've got to be careful. What does God, what, what, do we, what do we do? What's in our life that makes him angry? Well, one of the things is that we're not in communion with him. He wants to be in communion with us and have nothing between us and him. And that really grieves him. And, you know, that's, so the Lord is so strong on this and, that's why Hezekiah, and he understood that. The Bible says, and he goes through, they shut the doors, they put out the lamps, and there's no incense burning, there's no sacrificial system going on. And so we see just a shutting down of the whole worship system. As we said on Sunday, well, the doors are the opening. So that's, that's the first place you come in and meet with the Lord. The, 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 the lamps were always burning. They never went out. That's the word of the Lord. Truth has always got to be alive. And we're always got to be, that's got, always got to be at the center of our lives. Incense was prayer. Every morning, every evening, they lit incense. Because there was always com, uh, uh, continual communion. Of course, that was built on what? The sacrificial system. The core would come from the altar which was sacrifice to get rid of sin, blood sacrifice. See, all the picture, all the shadow into the reality of, of the New Testament. Of course, the sacrificial system was stopped because um, they weren't in. And every morning and every evening, they would sacrifice, of course. And then that was the burnt offering, everything. And then sin offerings, guilt offerings, and peace offerings, and um, heave offerings, guilt and grain offerings, and so on and so forth had stopped. And he said, let's begin it again. Let's get these, let's get these Levites back doing what they should be doing. And more than that, he instituted real worship. He said, now, what David instituted, which was continual praise before the temple, before the, uh, before the uh, we had a tent, didn't he? And he got, I mean, it was talking about noise. If he wanted quiet, he didn't go there, didn't we? Remember we said it, when Solomon opened the temple, 120 trumpets. Well, one's enough, but 120 of them. And, and we, there was noise. Why? Because God is worthy of our praise, isn't he? Mm -hmm. And he set up the system again and to worship and to praise and to, uh, and to adore the Lord. And the Bible says when they began to sacrifice, they began to raise up the, the praise, the symbols and the harps and the lyres, everything. Why? Because God's heart is to meet with us. And uh, if we forget anything else tonight, God's heart is that we would know him. That we would know him, that we would know him. To draw near to him. When he's appealing to the church in, in Hebrews, when they were thinking about going back to Jesus, he was, no, no, no. Because of the, the gospel, you can draw near to, the, to me. Let's read our last verse, uh, Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, 
just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Draw near. Approach the throne with confidence. And we talked about that word confidence before. It is uh, beyond arm. It means with frankness, with openness, with candidness, with bluntness. That we can come before the Lord and pour our hearts to him. We can come before the Lord and mourn to him. Lord, I'm not happy with this. What's happening here? And uh, he's not afraid. We look at this. Uh, Jeremiah, if you've ever read Jeremiah, he's always complaining about this. Lord, I'm not doing this anymore. It's hard work. And I'm going to be thrown here and beaten here and this. But the Lord says, yeah, come on. And uh, so that's his heart, drawn near. So the first thing Ezekiel did was make sure the doors are open. And then he began to purify the temple and put those things in place that should have been there. Um, but otherwise, we become like Ahaz, diluting, distorting, departing, deception. And uh, we've seen it. We can see it in our world. We see it, in, sadly, in some church churches. Help us, Lord. And by your grace, not to follow that. Amen. Bless the Lord. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. To find out more about our church, including our service times, visit www.oakdalechristiancentre.org.